Well, good morning again and welcome to Christmas season. Uh, it's exciting today. Uh, we've had a great day of worship already. And uh, as the video uh, share with you, every Christmas season, we uh, focus our attention on international missions through our international mission board. We have over 3,500 missionaries uh, across the world, some in places that are uh, very far away. And uh, if you could imagine being baptized outside today, uh, that's, that's their summer. Uh, and so uh, that's um, not something I want to experience, uh, but uh, I'm glad we have folks who are there. And so your, your partnership in that is, is always uh, appreciated. Uh, we do give to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And if you're not familiar with sort of Southern Baptist life, uh, Lottie Moon uh, was a missionary in China in the 1800s. And so they've named uh, this international missions offering after her. And so it goes to all to support all of our international missions. So this month, uh, if you feel generous uh, and you feel like, you know what, we need to support those who are across the road sharing the gospel, uh, you can do that, uh, cash check, uh, or go online. It'll be Lottie Moon in our drop-down tab. Uh, but it's a joy. I got to spend... Uh, you were here a few weeks ago, and I wasn't here. Uh, I was actually with some of our folks on the other side of the world as well, uh, learning about how we as a church can partner with them uh, in Central Asia. And so you'll be hearing more about that uh, in the months to come. But, uh, but I'm excited to be here today. Uh, I'm, I was thrilled with this morning. Uh, we weren't quite sure we were going to be able to pull this off in October. Uh, Luann and Ashton, Danelle and I had a conversation like, can we make this happen? Maybe. Uh, and fortunately, we did. And and I so appreciate our choir and orchestra and Nanel uh, and Luane and Ashton and their leadership and, and so many others uh, for helping us uh, worship this morning and uh, get our choir and orchestra involved. Uh, I would ask that you pray for Johnny and Kayla. Johnny was our violin solos this morning. Uh, he and Kayla, it's their last uh, weekend here in Friendswood. Uh, they're moving to Tennessee uh, to continue Johnny's medical career. And so we want to pray for them. And uh, thanks for being here this morning playing, uh, buddy. And uh, Reed will the uh, F1 moments. Uh, and so uh, we'll have a great time. But I want you to turn to your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at the last uh, part of Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. So this is a letter that he's writing. So these are the last kind of words that he shares with the church. And as you're turning there, uh, I want you to think about what you want for Christmas. What do you want for Christmas? Now, some of you, that might be the first time you've been asked that question this season. Uh, for some of you, particularly younger people, you might have already been asked. I know our boys have already been asked numerous times by certain members of our family, uh, almost demanded uh, to be told what they want for Christmas. And, and as you get older, you don't ever get that question. Uh, because you're the one giving the gifts, uh, oftentimes. But never, at least in my lifetime, never have I been asked, what do you need for Christmas? That question doesn't get asked. It's, it's always, what do you want for Christmas? Because somehow Christmas is about want, not need. Uh, Thursday night, we had a great time uh, over in the Family Life Center. We had a little staff Christmas party, and... We played a little game, and we all loved the game. Teresa, my assistant, made up the game. And, and you've seen Family Feud, I hope, or at least you know the concept. Family Feud, top eight answers, top six answers, top four answers. Uh, they survey how many people? 
100 people. Well, this was kind of like Family Feud, except the only person surveyed was Teresa. (laughs) So all the answers had to be, what was Teresa thinking when she asked the question? And one of them uh, was, what would a child not want for Christmas? And so, what's the top of the list? Socks. Underwear and socks, right. So, so, that's what all of us guessed. Teresa generically put clothes, which is, okay, yeah, we'll take it. But underwear and socks, nobody wants that for Christmas. But sometimes you get it right? Because you need those things. Uh, It's good for you to have good, clean underwear and socks. That's important uh, for life. But as Paul is writing this letter, and as you and I think about kind of our wants and our needs and how easy it is, particularly in this season, to not be content with who we are, to not be content with what we have, Uh, to not be content with where God has placed us. Uh, Paul is reminding the church at Philippi that God supplies all of your needs and that it's in him that we need to experience contentment. And for most of us, particularly in suburbia Houston, uh, we have lots of gifts that we can give, that we can share, that, that we can help bring joy uh, and excitement to someone else. And so if you got your Bible, we're going to read a pretty lengthy passage this morning, beginning in verse 10 of chapter 4. Here's what it says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he sends a final note of greeting. Greet everyone. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul closes this letter with some important concepts, some important ideas, some important lessons for us. The the first one is a final reminder to rejoice. 
I rejoice greatly in the Lord. He wants to keep that theme going, that, that you and I, as people of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, that we should be people of joy. We should be rejoicing. We take our confidence in the Lord. And he's excited, so excited, his joy has revived again. The, the actual word means to blossom again, like a, a flower in the springtime that blossoms uh, after it's been dormant in the winter. He says, my, my joy has blossomed again. There, there was a time in their relationship between the church at Philippi and Paul where they had no communication. That's why you, you didn't provide because you didn't know. There, there was not an opportunity. We didn't know that there was a need, but your care and your friendship has been consistent throughout the years. It's come alive again now, and he's grateful for that. He's thankful for their partnership. But he also wants to remind them that his contentment is not about his need being met. Uh, sometimes we, we get satisfied, oh, uh, I've had lunch today, or uh, I've passed the exam, or I've gotten that project behind me, or we're finished with the Christmas decorations, and, and there's like a calm because we've finished a task or something's been done. And he's reminding the church at Philippi that it's not about his need being met that makes him content. No, he's content because of Jesus Christ. He, he's speaking to a group of people in the first century, uh, just like a group of people in the 21st century in Friendswood, Texas. That oftentimes we believe our contentment comes from ourselves. That, that we manage our contentment, that it's in our power, our strength, our intellect, our prowess, that, that we somehow can become content in our own power. But he's very plainly telling the church, no, my contentment comes from Christ because I'm in Christ. That's why he rejoices in the Lord. There's something unique about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, and so my confidence is, not, is no longer in myself. It's in Jesus. It's in my Savior. It's the one who has transformed me, who has changed my life, who, who's redirected my eternity from hell to heaven. It, it's given me praise, given me purpose. And so I'm not dependent on you, and I'm not dependent on me for my contentment. I'm content because I'm in Christ. And perhaps because this passage has the most popular verse in all of Philippians in it, we, we miss verse 11, which is probably the most important piece. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned, learned. Contentment for Paul didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen all day. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm baptized. I show everyone. And all of a sudden, I'm content and all is good and life is never a challenge again. No, Paul learned because he knows what it means to have been humbled. He knows what it means to abound. He knows what it means to be full. He knows what it means to be hungry. He knows what it means to be overflowing with goodness. He knows what it means to be in great need. He's realized that contentment is a learned gift. I don't know too many five-year-olds who are content. I don't know too many 15-year-olds that are content. I don't know a lot of 25-year-olds who are content. 
Contentment is something that takes time for us to, to grasp and understand, to, to come to understand even in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I've learned, I've learned. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the church. Because in those days when I was Low, when those days when I was humble, those days when I was hungry, you were there. You, you were a partner for me. We know from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, again in 2 Corinthians, that, that the church at Philippi was like an early adopter to Paul's ministry. That they are from the very beginning, they partnered with him as he launched out in the ministry. They helped him in many, many ways. You know what an early adopter is? If you had a cell phone, an Apple iPhone in 2007, you're an early adopter. If you don't have one today, you're content. <laughs> right? That's the smartphone world. But, but he was thrilled, and he wants to share with them how much they mean to him. You may not know, uh, because in the modern era, it's different. In the ancient world, unlike today, today if you're in prison, uh, you have your meals provided for you. But in the ancient world, that was not the case. Every prisoner had to secure their own food supply. So if you didn't have friends or family or someone else providing you food, you went hungry. And so Paul, as he's detained even at this moment as he's writing this letter about contentment and joy as he's in prison under house arrest. He has to secure his own food supply and these folks have helped him. And so he, he's thanking them. But he's also telling them that, guys, it, it, it doesn't matter. I, I've learned to accept whatever comes my way. My life is not conditioned on food or material possessions. In whatever, in abundance, in nothing, in humility, in exaltation, hungry or full, it doesn't matter. I've learned to be content. I've learned to trust. I've learned to be confident in my relationship with God that he has me exactly where I'm supposed to be. My relationship with Jesus makes abundance or lacking irrelevant. Because I'm in Christ. And it's why he states verse 13. And I'll read it for you because I know you haven't heard it enough over your lifetime. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not self-sufficiency in this moment or any moment. It's Christ-sufficient. I'm sufficient because Christ is sufficient for me. And this verse, verse 13, has been used on everything from passing your driver's ed exam to scoring the winning touchdown in the state championship and everything in between mostly related to athletics, and it absolutely has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with being content in want or plenty, 
that, that I can move through life in any and every circumstance resting in the strength of one person and one person alone, Jesus Christ. Christ is sufficient when I have nothing. Christ is sufficient when I have everything. He is the one who enables me to be content. It's his strength and not my strength. I am not the source of my own strength. I'm not the source of my strength. Jesus Christ is the source of my strength. And he is trying to help this young church understand the power of Christ's sufficiency. That, that he is everything to meet every one of your needs. He is the one that you will learn to be content in. You, you may not be there today, but if you continue to pursue him, to lean in to who your Savior is, you will learn to become content and you will learn to trust in his strength, his provision, his might. And you'll experience joy where you can say it over and over again, even when you're in the lowest of lows, when you're in a difficult and hard situation like he was. Oh, let's remind you again, he's in prison, chained to somebody. Chained to somebody all the time. Trusting that someone else is going to provide for everything that he needs in that moment. And that that person he's chained to won't harm him physically. He says, I'm rejoicing greatly. I'm content in all things. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so as he, as he gives them that one last sort of, you know, shot in the arm, hey, this is who you're supposed to be. Be people of contentment, people of joy, people who trust in, in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Let me also tell you something amazing, how much I love you and care for you. He shifts his attention to their partnership with him, that, that how important they are in his life, that they've been with him since the beginning, providing him in a way that nobody else has. No other church provided for him in the way that the church at Philippi did. One biblical commentator said it this way, their gift, that means the, the money and the people they sent him over the years, which serves his physical health, serves more significantly as evidence of their spiritual health. And now Paul wasn't writing, you know, you, we, we've all gotten those folks who write you a letter of thanks, but really it's like the, thank you, but I need $100 more. It's that letter, like, you're the best, can you give more? Um, we, we've all had that, ex well, maybe not all of you, I've had that experience. Um, and, and, and that's fine because there are folks who have great needs, but that's not what he's doing here. He's not writing to them saying, hey, I really appreciate you. Uh, can you send uh, a little more chicken? He's not doing that. He's thanking them for how they have been a great and wonderful partner in the gospel. He wasn't looking for money or aid or more people to come. He was simply saying thank you. So much so that he says, your partnership is a fragrant offering to the Lord. There's wonderful imagery there. I, I don't know if you like candles, but, but someone in our family loves them. So much so that he or she uh, 
wanted the men in the household to go buy, because of a sale, 24 candles each. <laughs> so we'd have a, plenty of a stock to have a fragrant aroma in our home. We didn't do that, but, but we do have them. We have, I think we have 24, I think is what we have. Okay, or we don't. See, you should never let me tell stories because it's always wrong and then I get corrected afterwards. But they sound better. If we have 24 candles, it sounds better. Sounds better. But right now, I don't ever know the names of these candles. You know, they all have great names. All I know is right now it's the dark green one. Dark green smells wonderful. But, but I sound this to say because this concept of fragrant offering that Paul mentions here about partnership is important. And it'll be a great physical reminder for you the next time you go in Bath and Body Works or maybe your house. That, that's what Paul is getting at here. That when you light those candles at Christmas and they have that evergreen or if you love vanilla or, or you like, you know, the pine tree, tar, whatever, <laughs> fancy name. Right, they have these names. It's a beautiful smell, right? It's wonderful. That's what Paul's talking about here. When you smell a candle, there's a beauty to it. You can't really describe it, you know, because you're making fun of me now because I can't describe it. But there's something beautiful about it. And, and that's what Paul is getting at when you and I partner in the gospel with others. When you and I partner in things that matter for eternity, it's like a fragrant offering to the Lord. It's, he, he calls all the way back to Leviticus chapter 5, where he, he talks about that fragrant offering of the priests, that, that it's acceptable to the Lord, that the Lord wants us to worship him. And then in Ephesians 5, Paul talks about it as well, a beautiful picture of Christ offering himself as the fragrant offering for the Lord. That's the same idea here when you and I partner together for kingdom matters, for things that really matter. It's like that beautiful smelling candle on your countertop and a thousand times better. But that's what he's getting at, is that when you and I, and that's what he's thanking the church at Philippi, when you and I work together to see the kingdom advance when we give to the missionaries, when we serve one another, when we give of our talents and our gifts so that God is exalted and so that others can be served, something amazing happens. And Paul prays that because of that, my prayer is that, that you will be filled to the full, that, that God will meet every one of your needs. He says it confidently. It's not like, I hope this will happen. No, he says it to be true. God will meet every one of your needs. The idea is to fill it to the full, like to the brim, your needs will be met. And so just a reminder for us this morning as we think about our own contentment, as we think about our partnerships in the gospel as we think about it, even one of our core values as a church is generous living. Uh, our generosity is evidence of our spiritual health. If you're a generous person, it's evidence of your spiritual health. And Paul is commending the church at Philippi for their generosity, for their partnership. 
for their desire to see what God can do all across that region of the world. And for us, it would be all across our little region of the world, our 4B area, the state of Texas, the nation, and the world. What could God do through us if we would use our time and our talent and our resources to work together, to link arms with other ministries to see what God could do? He believes God will supply every one of their needs because God supplied all of his needs. He's a living testimony uh, of God's faithfulness. And so he wants to give glory to the Father. And so I don't know what your month or week or year has been like. Uh, Maybe this year you've been a little more self-absorbed and you haven't paid attention to many people outside of your, your own little world. Maybe you're in a, in a position of dissatisfaction with life. Maybe just life isn't going the way you want, and, and you're not sure how to change it. You're not sure if you can change it, but you're dissatisfied. Maybe your life is full of victory today and abundance, and man, this has been the greatest week, month, year ever, and, and you're so excited about life. Maybe you're fully content Whatever the case may be, whether you're on the extremes of those ideas or you're somewhere in the middle, today I hope to remind you to to praise God, to, to give thanks to Jesus Christ that he's met your needs, that, that you have an opportunity to, to partner with others, that you and I serve a generous God who is worthy of praise. And as Paul wraps up this final chapter, at the very end, he says something very strange that is kind of odd. He says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Well, why would the Philippians care about Caesar's household at all? The enemies of the gospel. Well, the reason why is because if you remember back, if you were here on week one, Paul had witnessed to a bunch of those folks in Caesar's household while he was chained, and many of them had come to faith in Christ. And so as you think about this season, the last thing I want you to think about is who are the folks in my world that I've been telling about the truth of Jesus? So that if I were to write a letter, type a letter, send a text, who could I say, Hey, these guys, they say hello to you because now they're a part of the family. They weren't when I started this letter, but now they are. What a blessing that would be for us. What a joy that would be. What a fragrant offering that would be. That that because of our testimony, because of our partnership, uh, be, because of the things that we do together as the people of God, there would be others in someone else's household that now have come to faith in Jesus Christ because of our testimony. That, that's my prayer for us this Christmas season, that we would understand the beauty of contentment, that we would have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ that we would partner with one another so that the gospel would be advanced so that next Christmas we might have a couple of new people sitting next to you because of your testimony, the testimony of your friends and neighbors and the folks in this place.
and that we would give glory to God forever and ever. That's my hope. Will you pray with me?